0: Lock and load. This is Steve Dace, the
1: Steve Dace Show. Well, are we looking forward to today's program because we get an opportunity to do something that is rare these days? We get an opportunity to do hopeful analysis, and we will delve into that here soon. Welcome to the program. I am Steve Dace. He is and over there is Aaron McIntyre and you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email it Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D E A C E. You can also look for us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And then you can also look for me without any censorship whatsoever on MeWe Parlor Gab and Getter. Just look for Steve Dace there and get clips of the show without any censorship as well. When you go to slash Steve Day Show, again, That is rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. Of course, it's a Wednesday. Uh, We'll play our game of buy, sell, or hold coming up next hour. Always looking forward to that. But we're going to spend a good deal of time here in this first hour talking about the events that transpired last night. And one of the things that, you know, uh, we, we struggle with these days, particularly if we're guys and you're my age, All the things that stress you out these days that can cause like, you know, male pattern baldness, receding hairlines. This might be one day where, given what we're about to talk about, you're not struggling with that. You're not stressed out. But then again, understand the spirit of the age. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure you're prepared with our friends over at Keeps. Uh, They've got the generic versions of the FDA-approved hair loss treatments you're looking for. So you're going to save money with that. You do everything online so it's also uh, very convenient. You snap a few easy pics of your hair, answer a few easy questions. A licensed physician will then recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. And then to get you started, we give you half off your very first order. So you get perpetual savings with the generic versions, perpetual convenience with it all being done online, and then extra special savings that very first time to get you started at keeps.com slash grow. That's K-E-P-S for keeps.com Slash grow. Where I want to begin, though. In lieu of Aaron's montage, if you will indulge me. It is, of course, according to my calendar, Christmas time. Now that we're into November. And Todd, I will not even permit you to bah humbug me today. So put down the vinegar. All right? It's set aside. Thank you. Because yes, Virginia... There is still some hope out there. All right, keep hope alive. All right, there is still some hope out there. I want to run down what I think are some of the major bullet points to know about what transpired in Virginia, why, and what it means. Let's start by taking a look here at the big picture. Last night, this confluence of events is cosmic. The city of Atlanta wins the World Series, the the all-time playoff chokers of this era. 14 years in a row, they made the playoffs. They only won one World Series, despite the fact like the entire pitching staff is in Cooperstown in the Hall of Fame. Atlanta, with all those injuries, goes on the road, wins the World Series, the city that was told it couldn't host the All-Star Game because it's in a state that actually thinks you should show ID to vote. Atlanta wins the World Series the same night an immigrant black woman who loves Jesus, and Anna Fred to tell you about it, uh, became the first of her kind statewide office winner in a former Confederate state known as Virginia. Now, folks, that is some cosmic, providential rebuking of the racist pagan wokeism. And that kind of stuff, we don't, we don't come up with stuff like that, folks. That stuff comes from on high, okay? So let those with ears to hear, let them hear. That is a resounding voice if you have ears to hear. So that's the big picture of what went on last night. Then there's the mood of the electorate heading into the event. I, I sent this out the other day. It, only the American media would be shocked that an administration and political party that has made themselves an enemy of School parents, uh, police, firefighters, soldiers, nurses, (laughs) airline travelers and workers, and everybody who buys gas and food. Is that a lot of people? It's a couple. It's a few. Only the American media would be shocked to see such a group polling so poorly. Because that's pretty much everybody who isn't a communist. However... We are still dealing here with the Republican Party, right? An outfit that knows how to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, right? We we are still still dealing with the Republican Party. Friend of the program, Daniel Horowitz, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Last night he went back and got a tweet I sent four years ago I had forgotten about, after Ed Gillespie lost the Virginia governors race in 2017. When I had said, how many more times are Virginia Republicans going to run corporatist candidates like Ed Gillespie before finally admitting that is not what voters want? So thank you very much, Daniel Horowitz, for coming off the top rope with that. So now Glenn Youngkin had a choice to make. He could be that kind of milk toasty candidate or he could read the room. What do I mean by reading the room? Well, last night, folks, Mama Bear Mama Bear showed up, okay? If you look at what went on last night in Virginia, Mama Bear showed up. Do we have that tweet, Aaron? There it is. Look at these stats. Look at what happened in Virginia from 2020 to 2024. I'm sorry, to 2021, just one year among women. Look at the difference between what Biden and Trump did with those numbers and Yunkin and McAuliffe, that is a 15-point swing in one year, folks. In one year. Not even one cycle. In one year. Which, in my opinion, means the biggest loser in Virginia is the Democrat-Educrat industrial complex. Because that, that state election basically became a platform for blowing up the vile, anti-American, racist, cultural Marxism that's basically been our curriculum in government schools for how many years now? That race blew that mushroom cloud, that issue. And what you saw is Mama Bear came out and said, oh, hell no. Oh, and you're going to rape our daughters too? No. Not happening. And here's what I think it means moving forward. The GOP should feel confident to pursue an aggressive agenda of education reform from funding to structure everything everything should you should feel everything is on the table now and to its credit and i don't say that about the republican party a lot this last legislative cycle there were numerous states including our own putting such aggressive measures up for debate the kinds of things I've tried to get them, people like me have tried to get them to do for years, but they thought were crazy and nuts. Those things ought to all be on the table in your red state right now. Because that's the number one driver of, the, of that massive swing of women voting in Virginia from one year to the next, is you threatened their kids. We should give a tip of the cap to our friends over at the Daily Wire, they played a role in this, right? If a tree falls in the forest and no one heard it, did it really fall, right? Well, it is the Daily Wire and Luke Rosiak who, who took a crowbar to the Overton window on what was going on in the schools with their reporting on what went on there in Loudoun and now in Fairfax County. They blew that story wide open. They forced that story into the media ecosystem and they deserve to take a victory lap for that. If there was any justice in this world, Luke Rosiak would be winning himself a Pulitzer Prize next year. Because that this is this is arguably the most impactful reporting that will be done in this country, in all of the media this year, is what Luke Rosiak and the Daily Wire did, exposing what was going on in that school district. So, yes. Now, I've noticed... No one's ever accused Matt Walsh of being humble. They have taken approximately 39 victory laps. I've noticed the various (laughs) folks over at the Daily Wire. But you know what? As the great uh, man Babe Ruth himself once said, it ain't bragging if you can do it. They deserve every one of those helmet stickers, including the ones they're giving themselves, because they absolutely played a role in blowing this up. No question about it. Here's another big story from last night. We saw this with Trump, and now we're seeing it carry over. The GOP continues to make inroads with Latinos without caving on amnesty at all. If you look at the Fox News exit polling, Yunkin won Latinos by 11 points, 55 to 44. 11 points, 55 to 44. Let's go outside of, of Virginia for just a moment and look at what happened in this statehouse district in Texas. All right, this is a 75% Hispanic district. All right. And it flipped from Democrat to Republican last night in South Texas. And then there's the overall story if we go back to Virginia. Virginia has elected its first Hispanic attorney general and its first black lieutenant governor. We'll have more on her later in the show. OK. But it has also elected its first Hispanic attorney general. So you are continuing to see, again, so many shibboleths are being destroyed here. It wasn't too long ago on shows like this we had to debunk GOP talking points about immigration. You remember doing yeah. some of those shows, right? How many of those columns and shows have I written and done and our friend Daniel Horowitz has done all the more? That there was no, I remember a phone call I received personally from Marco Rubio himself telling me that unless we caved on amnesty that we were going to lose the Hispanic vote forever like we lost the black vote when JFK called Martin Luther King Jr. He told me this on the phone. One on one phone call I received from Marco Rubio himself, and he told me this. And now here we are, after courtesy of Trump, the, the most hardline immigration conversation we've ever had in the mainstream of American politics this century. And lo and behold, the GOP continues to make all kinds of inroads with Hispanics. I, uh, Alexa, show me everything else that GOP consultants have been wrong about. Sorry, we don't have the time. That would be a long conversation, okay? Now, let's get to the Yunkin campaign. How did they do this? And I want you to keep in mind as we look at these numbers. This is a state Democrats had won by an average of six-plus points in the last four presidential elections, including plus 10 a year ago in the 2020 presidential election. So keep that in mind when you look at these numbers. So I went back and looked at the exit polling comparing Yunkin 2021 With Trump 2020. I already told you that Youngkin got plus 11 Hispanic votes. Not 11 points better than Trump. He won them by 11. Won them by 11. Look at this. Youngkin did three points better with black voters. Nine points better with all female voters. Eight points better among suburban voters. And this is the one... In fact, before I tweeted this, man, I went and read this like seven times... To make sure my eyes were seeing, my four eyes, because I'm wearing my glasses. Make sure my four eyes were seeing what I thought I was seeing. But there it is. It is true. Youngkin actually outperformed Trump with rural voters in Virginia by 12 points. And rural voters were a higher percentage of the overall electorate in 2021 in Virginia than they were in 2020. Translation, Youngkin did better with Trump's base than Trump did. What the Yunkin campaign did here, and we've, we've wondered on this show, could, it be, could someone figure out how to do this? Because everybody's got their hot takes about Trump right now. He won it because of Trump. He won it because Trump didn't go. If you haven't learned anything from the Trump era, please, because I was making the same mistake. You need to learn this. You cannot make simplistic two-dimensional binary analysis in the Trump era. That just boils down to Cheeto Jesus saves or Orange Man bad. Because a lot of that is really, the reason why a lot of it's wrong is a lot of it is driven by you want either your Cheeto Jesus saves or your Orange Man bad narrative to be affirmed. So you, you look for you, you look too simplistically at data and situations and not new, with enough nuance. What the Yunkin campaign managed to do here is what we have wondered on our show, could somebody pull it off? They did it in Virginia. They rebuilt the traditional GOP coalition. With white largely led by white suburban voters, they rebuilt that, but then they retained trump 's base, including his inroads with Hispanics. to me, this is the campaign to now emulate now I didn't say Yunkin was the candidate to emulate everybody's their own person, right? But the way that this what this campaign did is they managed to incorporate trump's base Of white rural voters who either voted Democrat or were soft GOP and are now hardcore Trump, and the inroads that Trump had made with Hispanics, they managed to incorporate that while rebuilding the traditional GOP coalition. And oh, how did they do it? By glomming on to the very culture war issues that prior to Trump, Republicans always said you couldn't run a national election on and win. Let's continue. Here's how else they did it now, okay? They provided a proof of concept that you can marry Trump's base and issues to the softer side of Sears, that you don't have to necessarily be unnecessarily confrontational and offensive while, while, while going there. Because we've wondered is it just a package deal? Did you, did you have to put up with some of Trump's turnoffs to get the issues that he talked about? Or. Could you have the best of both worlds? The Yunkin campaign proved last night that, yes, you can. Because here, GOP voters are never going back to the Romney-Ryan-McCain era. That's never happening. So you have to recognize the reality. Trump has, Trump has moved the GOP base. Or the GOP base, Trump took advantage of the movement the GOP base already made when no one else wanted to go there. Whichever you prefer. That's the GOP base is not moving. It's not going back so then can you grow beyond that can you fashion a message that that rebuilds the traditional coalition on top of trump's base the yunkin campaign did that furthermore when you look also at what they did last night they they put it, the, the the whole gop has a choice now you can follow the yunkin playbook of representing trump's base and issues with a more unifying personality or if you don't remember we always used to say the gop created donald trump by refusing to speak to the issues he spoke to, that's why they got Trump, right? We used to have those conversations in 2016, 2017. Well, the Youngkin campaign has shown you have a choice, GOP. You don't have to do that. You, you know, if, if you want to adopt his issues and run on them aggressively and provide, let your campaigns be a platform to these issues, you'll get rewarded by voters. If you don't, though, you're going to get rewarded with more Trump because people would rather have their issues addressed than worry about mean tweets, okay? At least a good group of people would, anyway. So what does this all mean for the future? All right, there's four things I think we should point out about what it means for the future. Let's start with this from our colleague Dave Rubin last night. That the real signal after Virginia is to stop fearing these hysterical, power-hungry, progressive lunatics. Take off your masks, don't let them inject your children, and go about your life. And, oh, by the way, let's go Brandon. Yes, no fear, no fear. Stop fearing these elements. Fear is their currency. They love it. It's what they live on. You know what they don't do well? Fight. Don't fear them. Second, from our friend Julie Kelly over at American Greatness, don't underestimate the remorse, the remorse vote of upscale suburban Biden voters. They traded mean tweets for a country unrecognizable from a year ago. Too late now, but these votes are quasi mea culpas. She's dead nuts right about that. And that plays into what I mentioned earlier. Yunkin had enough of a unifying personality that he didn't make these people feel dirty for voting on the things they're actually offended by that they agree with Trump with, or they agree with Trump on. Third, Clay Travis tweeted out last night, noticing what went on in Virginia and then Minneapolis soundly rejecting the referendum to defund the police and saying, Hey, sanity is being restored. is being restored. Um, kinda, but we must understand. And in next segment, we're going to play for you a reminder of what we're really up against and the stakes we're playing for here. We must understand the zealotry driving this will not be deterred by election losses. Any conservative can't pundit on Twitter or Facebook right now telling you that Democrats are reassessing? No, they're not. No, they're not. They're not reassessing anything. They, they, you don't think they, they don't read polls? They could have moderated a little bit this entire time. They chose not to. So you, you have to understand that this is a will
0: to power. They're calling everybody racist in Virginia yes. as you speak yes. they just got a black lieutenant governor. The, yes.
2: the White House this morning said, voters are, this is just a sign voters are fed up with how long it's taking for us to pass the infrastructure bill. Yes, there is, this is a will to power. This There will be no self-awareness. All right, this is a will to power. So you have to
1: understand that the vote is the first step of vigilance, not the final one. You cannot go back home after doing this now and get complacent. In the overtime today, we're going to talk about what it looks like when we get complacent. And you know what it looks like? What happened actually in our own community last night. That's what it looks like. We'll talk about that in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash days. This is, you're going to have to soundly defeat this. The way that people used to run for office on platforms of slavery or segregation, And then it was so soundly defeated in the culture that no one one nowadays would dare run on a platform like that, even if they thought it. That's what you're going to have to do to this pagan wokeism, this cultural Marxism. It will not be deterred by election losses. It will quadruple down. It must be soundly defeated, definitively defeated. Understand this zealotry as I make my final point here. That what you're up against is not whether Glenn Youngkin is an opportunist or true believer. Originally, he was running a very milquetoast campaign. And then when Loudoun County erupted, he jumped on that train. Who knows? Maybe he is an opportunist. It doesn't matter if he is. Here's why. Because the issues propelled Glenn Youngkin to victory last night. Glenn Youngkin did not propel the issues. The issues propelled Youngkin. So see, folks, it doesn't come down to whether he's a coward, an opportunist, or a true believer. It comes down to us. How serious were we, the voters? How serious were we about these cultural issues? Because if voters are serious, they're going to compel Youngkin and Republicans, who have now total control in Virginia, compel them to act accordingly. But if this was I threw a tantrum, I got mad and I voted once, and now I'm going to go back home, listen to my favorite conservative show, and no longer make this a participatory sport, but a passive-aggressive one, Then, then, then it does rise and fall on the character of Glenn Youngkin. Is that how a constitutional republic is supposed to behave? The first words of the Constitution, of course, are, we, the character of the founding fathers and George Washington and John, is that how it starts? What's it start with? We the people. It doesn't matter who Glenn Youngkin is. It matters who we are. I've gotten several texts from friends around the country. I just know this guy's going to sell us out. That won't happen unless we are sellouts. Youngkin didn't buy this. Youngkin wasn't a celebrity. Youngkin wasn't even a known political commodity. Yunkin grabbed a surfboard in his campaign and wisely saw a wave form and said, hell yeah, hells yeah, let's ride that puppy. Who formed that wave? We the people did. The people did. So this is not rise and fall on the integrity and character of those that represent us. It rises and falls on the character and integrity and courage of the represented. Are we serious about this? Now, next segment, I'm going to replay something we put in our overtime the other day. We rarely do replays because it's all on the internet anyway, so it's kind of lazy. But we kind of thought today was a good day to do this. We need to be reminded the stakes here. Parents in Loudoun County, Virginia, let their schools go for 20 years and then woke up one day and two of their daughters got raped. We cannot... Ignore the stakes we're playing for here. Understand the game. This is spiritual. And won't be cast out by one election, even one as hope-filled as last night. The war is now actually just begun. And you have the enemy's attention. And he's going to test our resolve. Are we serious about this? Do we mean this? Now, here's the good news. Resist the enemy and he flees from you. In other words, yeah, I am serious about this. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But we have to show up. We cannot be passive now. Active, not passive participants. All right, gentlemen, you have any thoughts?
0: Well, I... I... I suppose it's fitting that this is in Virginia, the backyard of Washington, D.C., because if this is possible there, uh, you know, if this was in a—I mean, this kind of stuff goes on, and we know, like uh, Austin, Texas, you know, in the heart of Texas. But if that kind of recovery had happened there, we'd just, like, kind of chalk it up to, you know, a state kind of waking up from a short nap. But Steve— what as important as anything he said right there is that this was a twenty year trance that they were in and they seem to have waken up from it. So we are very much right in the heart of a republic if you can keep it uh tension right there in the backyard of our capital. With the and that's why the data is so important, uh vis a vis his comparisons to just a year ago, presidential politics, all of that. Like what what will we finally learn when it's right there in front of us? As obvious as any narrative, as perhaps we've been given since the time Steve has been doing this kind of work. A republic, if you can keep it, go not only go back to what we just learned now as we move forward in the next couple of years, but go back to the men who said what a republic is and what you have to do to keep it. That also must be where your energy is. It's not just temporal now wins, again, based on what Yunkin did. Steve can I say it more plainly. This has nothing to do with him. It has to do with us and the republic we claim to live in, the America we claim to live in, and why we want to keep it that way. We cannot put it on autopilot in some sort of now thing without going back to our forefathers because we're pretty much doing as conservatives what almost everybody else is doing we're just bumper sticker slogans we don't truly rever the blood uh, the the lives the fortunes and the sacred honor that were paid to get us to this point to go forward we have got to go back
2: i think the most Important part of what we've talked about so far in this segment is the notion that this is not the final step. This is just the first step. How dare you, quite frankly, think just for one second that you shouldn't keep going to your school board meetings, even if you flipped them through three, four, five members out? No, after all we've seen, now is you're just getting started. See, we play the election game on the right. We have for so many years. Just show up, the silent majority shows up, we do our civic duty and then we go away and we entrust our votes and our elected leaders to do and to act as proxies for us. They will not. Maybe there was a time when the opponents, the political opponents in our country were such that we could actually trust our elected leaders, to do our bidding without our, you know, supervision all the time. We're not in that that country. We're not in that culture anymore. You have to keep showing up. The blueprint for winning long-term, the blueprint for playing the generational game that the left has so deftly played for generations now, is what happened in Louisiana a few weeks ago with this phenomenon called Dads on Duty. Several arrests, you heard the story from CBS News, several arrests for fighting in this high school. And so a bunch of dads said, nope, we're just going to, we're not going to leave this up to our elected leaders. We're not going to leave this up to the teachers. We're not going to leave this up to the school board. We're not going to leave this up to the school resource officer. We're doing this ourselves. Mm -hmm. We got to be the inverse of the Thanos. Fine, I'll do this myself. He had done just a bunch of damage to New York City, but it still wasn't enough for him. That's what we have to be. Dad's on duty. Citizen's on duty. Mom's on duty. That's what's required. Mm -hmm. Keep showing up. It's a step. Oh, it's a glorious, massive
1: step. But it's still just a step nevertheless. I was talking to a good buddy of mine last night about what was going on in the election. You'll get a kick out of this. And in the middle of it, he's like, dude, man, those pumpkin built Bars are so good. We got <laughs> totally distracted for like 10 minutes talking about the Bilt Bar flavors we liked. And then we we're like, what were we talking about? We got back on what was going on in the election. I just had another one of them here during the break. I can verify. I mean, those pumpkin puffs from Bilt Bar are phenomenal. And I, I just got word coconut brownie chunk is coming back. One of, it's a close second to chocolate chip cookie dough for the greatest all-time flavor of built Bar. So if you want to get in on the built Bar thing right now, trust me, you do. Even their everyday flavors like cookies and cream, cherry barcia, they're all delicious, all covered in real chocolate. The best protein bar you've ever had. You won't believe these things are 130, 150 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 7 grams of carbs. You won't believe it, but it is. It is a protein bar. It's the best you have ever had. And right now, you can get 15% off. Almost gave you an extra five. They might have yelled at me for that. 15% off when you use my last name, Dace, as the promo code D E A C E, when you go to built.com, B U I L T, for built.com. Last year, we got introduced to Karen Mueller during the fight over election integrity. She's an attorney in Wisconsin. And she uncovered the true origins of those infamous drop boxes and voter uh, pickups at 4 a.m. that we all saw during the election last November. Well, she now has been working on another case involving early treatments there in Todd's former home state that has gone all the way to the state Supreme Court. And we want to welcome Karen Mueller back here to the show. Karen, how are you?
3: I'm I'm pretty busy. Uh, basically, uh, there's not enough attorneys that are working on these issues. And so it's pretty challenging uh, to have the resources uh, to commit to uh, the need. And it's overwhelming, whether we're talking about masks in school, whether we are talking about people losing jobs around the state, or now what I've been working on is pretty much life and death. Um, People who are calling me and their loved ones are in the hospital on ventilators, Mm -hmm. and uh, they are not, allowed to have ivermectin, but they are being given other drugs that um, I believe are uh, not in their best interests. Again, I'm not a medical doctor, but you can read uh, what these drugs are doing to people, and I am just astonished, wondering what in the world is going on in our hospitals. Um, I had one patient that, uh, or client, uh, this was uh the nephew of a person by the name of John Zingzime. And uh, he was over in a Milwaukee hospital and had been in the hospital since about the middle of September and then ended up on a ventilator. But before he went on the ventilator, he had asked his family to try to get ivermectin for uh, him and uh, the Uh, POA, which is his nephew, started working on it, both he and his wife. And uh, they've been some real warriors in the battle to keep their uncle alive. And uh, John does have two young adult children, and they lost their mother a year ago. And uh, so the nephew, Alan Gall, is trying to do the best he can uh, for them and for his uncle, and has run up against uh, numerous roadblocks. I had never done this type of issue before, and the family had also reached out to a lawyer out in New York who has done a number of the cases, and uh, his name is Ralph Larigo, and so they decided to have the New York attorneys come in and argue the case because we had decided to go into the courts um, in uh, Waukesha County, Wisconsin, and what happened there was that uh, Ralph had come in and argued the case before the circuit court. And uh, at some point, it looked like we were uh, losing the judge. And um, I decided to step in and argue also that in the spirit of right to try that we should be able to allow uh, Mr. Zingsheim to try the ivermectin. And in addition, we were faced with a hospital that was putting out Evidence that on the one hand talked about patient safety being a concern with ivermectin, and then in the same evidence sheet it talked about, but go get your vaccines. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we know, of course, is that at least according to Veris, we have at least 17,000 deaths as a direct result of of uh, the iverm or of the vaccines, and we believe that that number is probably grossly understated. So that pretty much brings us up to the court.
1: All right, so you get this case all the way to the state Supreme Court, Karen. How did they rule?
3: Well, first of all, I have to back up and I have to tell you that what happened is we did end up winning at the circuit court. Mm-hmm. And so we won that decision, the right to give um, uh, John Zingsheim the ivermectin as long as we brought him our own doctor and had him uh, credentialed and waived liability Um, Or made sure that, you know, there was no liability for the hospital if we did that. And what happened is, is that before we could get the doctor in there, uh, the Court of Appeals took the case. And uh, what they did is not only did they take the case on the larger issue, but uh, which was regarding um, oversight of the judiciary into these questions at all as to whether they had the power, the authority to do that. Uh, what happened was that when the appellate court took the case, they stayed the order of the circuit judge, which immediately cut off any chance of uh, John being able to get the hopefully life-saving ivermectin.
1: Karen, was it and the hospital? So it, oh, pardon me, Karen. Was it the hospital yeah. or or the the other party that appealed this after you won?
3: Actually, the part um, it was the hospital. And they actually appealed it before the circuit court.
1: Okay, so ruled. I want to I I clarify this. Mm-hmm. So you win the case. You're yep. not going to make them actually administer the treatment. You're going yep. to waive all liability for the treatment. They are not on the hook for absolutely anything here whatsoever. And the hospital still wanted to deny this. What is the absolutely. benign, humane reason why? Yeah, that there would be my no, answer, too. There isn't one. Yeah.
3: There, there isn't one. No,
1: this is, this is, is real no evil is what reason. this is. Yeah.
3: Well, what it is is it's political and it's financial, in my opinion. Um, before um, we got, anyway, what happened was is that um, once that decision was made, I thought, well, we're not going to win at the appellate level when they stay the decision to administer uh, the medication right there. And they did it on their own motion this wasn't even the hospital making a motion here. So this was the appellate court doing that. And so at that point I decided, well, I I counseled the family and I said, why don't we take this up to the Supreme Court because we have nowhere else to go and we're not going to win here. And they agreed. And so I petitioned for a bypass to the Supreme Court of Wisconsin. And uh, so on October 21st, Uh, They considered that and they came out with their initial uh, decision. um, And what they did is they required uh, both parties to submit a status report regarding our, um, where we were at in terms of negotiations. Well, to me, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. We did it because we had nothing to give except this man's life. Right. And that's what we were seeking. So Um, But we went ahead and we issued our status appoint, our our report, which was basically each uh, party's positions. And uh, that was on the 21st of October. Um, The uh, court at that point had the opportunity to overturn the appellate court stay, and they were silent on that issue. And what happened is, is that the majority, it was a 4-3 decision. Uh, We have seven members of our court. Uh, So they issued that decision, and following that, one of the uh, minority, uh, a justice by the name of Rebecca Bradley, she issued what I would consider a scathing dissent, and it was joined by the other two conservative, more conservative justices. And uh, so that was very compelling. And then what happened again on uh, the following day? or I should say on the 25th of October, which was uh, the following Monday. So we waited the whole weekend, wondering if John was going to be alive still. And at the end of the day, the Supreme Court uh, basically remanded the decision back to the appellate court uh, or remanded the case back there. And they were silent one more time on what was uh, uh, could only be described as a life um a life uh, and death decision and uh so uh one more time, Justice Bradley came out with another scathing decision um, and she actually uh, went after not only the appellate court justices for what she called uh, was an unlawful decision since there was no motion to go ahead and stay that circuit court order, but she also went after her. Uh, fellow justices, the four of them that had failed to intervene on behalf of John Zingzheim and his life, and uh, arguing basically that they could uh, go through the broader issue at their leisure, but there wasn't time for him. Uh, by the way, John is still clinging to life. So that's where we're at today. When we filed this case, Uh, we expected that he could be gone at any time. And so he has hung on a lot longer than we expected him to. And that's a real blessing. A lot of people are praying. Um, I have to also say in uh, the middle of this case, uh, my name was given to another party, very similar. And I got that case on a Monday and on Friday, sadly, uh, that uh, man was gone. And it very similar circumstances, three weeks on the ventilator, not being given ivermectin. This was in another hospital system in Milwaukee. So these are two major hospital systems. And what I can only say are boardroom decisions. In fact, I know that for a fact. And that was the most disturbing uh, part of, of everything is that these decisions are being made Uh, by board members. They are not being made by the doctors. In fact, in the second client's case, a doctor told the wife, who is also the POA, we'll lose our jobs if we give ivermectin. And uh, so that was in both of these cases. I have since talked to other attorneys around the country, and the same story is emerging in different parts of the country. Ivermectin is not being given. Uh,
1: remdesivir? Um,
3: Rem remdesivir. Yeah, which is a garbage is drug. Being, yeah. It is a, uh, but I can tell you there's something even more disturbing than um, that drug and the emergence of another drug called, I have to uh, read it, baricitinab. And I don't know if you've heard of that drug, but I am extremely upset about this drug. When you read the adverse side effects on it, uh, what you do find out immediately is is that it states right in the packaging that it can cause or will cause severe to lethal infections. Now that's stunning because if you've got a person who's been a, on a ventilator and who has been intubated, they're going to be prone to infections because they have a foreign object down there to mm-hmm. down their throat. Mm-hmm. And so um, to be giving them this type of a drug, uh, I think there's going to be real problems with that. And we're going to fully investigate how this has come about, that these drugs are being uh, given. So we have, again, the same um, way of operating. And both of these gentlemen that ended up being my clients have had this drug administered to them. The first, yeah. So, um, but anyway.
1: Karen, I, I, we're gonna discuss this more. I'm gonna let you go actually in a minute because I don't wanna say anything that might prejud- cause you to be in a, in a position that it might prejudice your case or anything in that nature. How can our audience follow this story uh, and where it goes from here?
3: It is on my website. I am putting up the information. Last week I did do a press release uh, because we had nowhere else to go. Once the Supreme Court of Wisconsin uh, decided the case, there was nowhere else to go except to the court of public opinion, which of course can present its own problems. But we're talking about life and death of more yes, than are. just these gentlemen too. Yep. And I would like to direct your audience to um, the website, amacenterforjustice.org I have the press release on there under a failure to treat tab that we got up. Um, and also you can read at length the, um, uh, the dissents by Justice Bradley. And I think your, um, audience will very much appreciate them. Um, if I could, I could, uh, could I just briefly read what she said with a couple of these, because they're very important. Sure. Um, she started out one, I'm just going to read it. Wisconsin judges are rarely asked to make life or death decisions. This case presents one of those rare circumstances. The circuit court made a decision on the side of life. The appellate courts chose the irrevocable and irreversible alternative, but nothing in the law compelled it. In her second um, statement, she had set in the second dissent, she said, justice delayed is justice denied. For John Zingsheim, justice delayed is a probable death sentence. While appellate courts have all the luxury of time to ponder the law, Mr. Zingsheim fighting for his life does not. Circuit courts are best equipped to make the, these sorts of frontline decisions in which time is of the essence. This court should summarily reverse the court of appeals unreasoned decision to stay the circuit court order or at the very best, stay the court of appeals unlawful stay. Well, it carefully considers and resolves the legal issues presented. And those are just a couple of statements she made others in these two dissents.
1: So that interview came from our overtime earlier this week. We rarely do replays on the show just because everything's archived online and it's frankly lazy. But in this case, we wanted to reset this, especially in light of the hopeful result last night. In the election, we're playing for literally life and death stakes here. The people we're trying to throw out of power—if we let them stay there, if we let them back in power, via our own complacency—they will kill people. They will kill people. They have killed people. Do not get complacent. This isn't the wind. This is the start of the win. It's just a step. It's a big, glorious step. But it's just one step. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totterson, and all of you. Let us know... Will you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day show, And then look for me as well. If you don't like censorship, uh, go to the social media platforms known as MeWe, Parlor Gab, and Getter. And then if you're looking for clips of the show, uh, go to Rumble.com slash show. That's Rumble.com slash show. Now, speaking of Rumble... One of the uh, mucky mucks over there is a friend of mine, Dan Bongino. And we're into week three now of Dan uh, going to war with Cumulus Radio against their evil vaccine mandates. Trying to do the evil bidding of Joe Biden to forcibly inject people. And Dan is, is literally risking millions of dollars. Like this radio deal, if it goes south because they won't give in on this, Dan could lose, I think, more money than I've made in my entire career combined in like 20 years. So a lot of people in our business that you and I have made superstars, because remember before I got on this side of the microphone, I was a buyer and reader and listener and watcher just like you. A lot of people that we have made superstars keep telling you they're fighting for you. Dan is actually doing it at the risk of the loss of millions of dollars. Again, for a guy that a few years ago was trying to figure out what his future was, doing Facebook Lives from a room in his house. And now he's one of the biggest stars in conservative media. But he's not playing it safe. He put it on the line. He's even vaccinated as a cancer survivor. But he understands the higher principle at stake here. So he's risking millions of dollars, pretty lucrative radio show, trying to make a point for you and I, put his money where his mouth is, literally. If you know anything about Dan, if you know how to follow him on social media, do me a couple of favors today. Number one, reach out and let him know you've got his back and appreciate what he's doing. But then number two, go find your other fellow conservative media superstar, And ask them if they've got Dan's back too, because they should. We are out of time as a people. We don't have any more time left to um, guard our legacies and our nest eggs. Uh, Let me eke out one more New York Times bestseller. Too late. Time is up. Guys dressed as girls are raping girls in the school lockers. Okay, we're out of time here. Thank you. You made enough money, you have enough affiliates, you got enough clicks. Could you maybe repay the people that provided those for you? Hell, we're not even asking you to risk your own livelihood. Could you at least give Dan an attaboy for risking his? Is that too much to ask? No. No, it's not. Could at least give him an attaboy for risking his if you don't want to risk yours. So do me that favor today. Number one, if you know how to get a hold of Dan on social media or anywhere else, let him know you've got his back. And then number two, go to your favorite, your other favorite conservative media superstars and ask them, hey, you got Dan Bongino's back? Because you should, because he's got ours. If you're a podcast listener to the program, please also leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow if you haven't done those things. They, they help us to grow the show. And so many of you have and have played a huge role in the growth of our show and We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. So thank you. So I did a conference call with a new client the other day called Marpipe. And I don't know what the name means. Okay. But I watched what they do, man. And I was fascinated. If you are spending like um, thousands of dollars a month on Facebook ads and you think maybe you should see better ad performance for that, that's why you need Marpipe. Uh, They're a new multivariant testing platform For those of you doing ad creatives via Facebook, and it will help you find ads that test better. I watch them do it with my show in, like, real time to see how it works. All right? So the truth is a lot of us don't really know what we're doing when it comes to marketing and advertising. We just know that we need to do it. So that's why you want MarPipe. The average MarPipe customer reports that their ad performance doubles in less than 30 days. That's a lot more bang for your book. Business Insider calls MarPipe the money ball of ad creative. And just beyond learning which ads work, you get statistically significant insights on the variables in those ads. I mean, I found out not just which ads featuring me worked, but what messaging within those ads worked and which one did not. What, which, which did people respond to, which did not. A lot of customization here worth your time and money. You want to book a free demo, go to MarPipe, M-A-R-P-I-P-E, Marpipe.com slash Steve right now. They'll give you a free demo and a free $2,000 credit between now and December the 31st. All right, so sign up for your free demo and a $2,000 free credit at Marpipe.com slash Steve through the end of the year. All right, let's get to buy, seller hold. This is where Aaron, with some help from you in the audience, presents to you and me, Todd, a series of. Predictions and prophecies and positions, you and I will decide whether we are buying it or selling it. If, however, um, you choose to use a hold for any reason other than how on this fine day could you dare bring forth such a lame proposition for even our mediocre intellects to discuss, all right, you will be Lindsey Graham's designated booster.
0: No. All
2: right, then we're off. We will begin with John Baxter. Assistant coaches under—now, this is a mouthful, so uh, put your listening caps on. Assistant coaches under Saban and Belichick are more successful as head coaches than judges who clerked for constitutional stalwarts and then later become Fed Sox stars when they have high-ranked jurists and SCOTUS judges themselves. Wow. What a, what a phenomenal
1: mixed metaphor and analogy that is, and I love it, and it's a buy. Even though former Belichick assistants have not had a great record as head coaches in the NFL, which the last few years of my team proved, former Sabin and Belichick coaches have had a lot of success in college football. Like Sabin's a former Belichick assistant, for example. So um, this is an easy buy. I mean, what, what's gone on already, guys, I'm just going to prepare you. It's entirely possible that she is this schizophrenic, okay? Because it's clear that whatever she was doing at Notre Dame, being being catechized properly, is not one of them. Talking about Amy Coney Barrett. So the best case scenario is she is all over the place. Because if she's not, Prepare yourself for Trump's judicial nominees to strike down abortion bans in red states, Mississippi and Texas, based on what I'm seeing, especially from Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, I mean, I, I can't. She's betrayed the faith she professes several times already. She hasn't even been on the bench for a year, including just this past week. A dreadful disappointment. Not, I'm, we're beyond even David Souter. We're talking somebody who clerked for Antonin Scalia. She has been a dreadful justice so far. Dreadful. So prepare yourselves to be disappointed and to be reminded, we cannot put our fates into the hands of anything within the system. We
2: have to control our
1: own fates against the system. Todd.
2: Bye. Next, we go to just saying the Atlanta Braves will win another World Series in the next five years.
0: So. I'm
1: going to sell just because Major League Baseball's postseason is so dang random, as Atlanta Braves fans know, for making it 14 years in a row and winning one World Series, okay? I mean My Tigers darn near made it like seven, eight years in a row and didn't win any of the World Series. It's just so random. I don't think it's a terrible prediction, though, when you consider this is such a young team. Its best player is out. Some of its best pitchers are out. It's not like they they don't have a long-term foundation here, right? It's just it's just so random in the MLB postseason, man. I mean, the what did the Dodgers make it what five, six years in a row before they finally won mm-hmm. one of these things, right? It's just so
2: random. So the odds would say to sell, but I don't think it's a crazy thought.
0: I have the exact same sentiment as you do,
2: okay next, Sean Griffith says anyone who has traditional qualifications for being considered for Supreme Court should be considered unqualified for the job at this point. Picking random people on the street would be better. Uh, hard buy. Hard buy. Absolutely. Yes. Next, we go to Corey. The movie RoboCop will be proved prophetic of what is to come <laughs> in Democrat-run cities.
1: <laughs> right down to the, um, uh, to the artificial life. You see what I did there? All right. With the stuff they want to do. I love that. I'll buy. Yep. Sure. Buy. Yeah.
0: Sadly.
2: I mean, it takes place in Detroit, right? It takes place in a Democrat city. So there you go. Corn Pop was a bad dude, says McAuliffe <laughs> wasn't worth cheating for. Had a, several of uh, s- several submissions of this sentiment. Uh,
1: I will sell. Um, they got annihilated up and down. This was not a uniquely Terry McAuliffe problem. They got annihilated up and down the ballot. They, they're they going to lose the Virginia State House. So I, I will sell that this is... Uh, this is a. They, they, folks, they brought in the VP, the former president, and mm-hmm. the current president. Okay. No, man. They, they called everybody, they, they called, they called Goose Gossage, Raleigh Fingers, and Willie Hernandez out of the friggin' bullpen, and Dennis Eckersley out of the friggin' bullpen, guys. Or at least their are variations of them. Okay. Uh, and, and it, no, 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 no. This is a resounding repudiation, period. Sell.
0: Yeah, sell. And it's not, it, it's rarely about the person it's just about their i mean mcauliffe is is exactly the kind of guy they want he will say yes and do anything he, they would be Krifter. happy to cheat yes. for
1: him yeah absolutely because there's no there there whatever the spirit of the age wants him to do he will do he's yeah. just a younger joe biden without dementia yes hey it, we have been talking about rough greens on the show now for almost a couple of years it's the supplement powder you put into your pet's food and with that one simple act. You've likely restored the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, and more that were stripped away from your pet's food before it ever left the factory. For the same reason they do that to the people food, long and mass distribution and consumption. That's why we take so many supplements these days. We've got to put that stuff back into our diet. Now your pet needs it back into its. That's where Rough Greens comes in. But you might be thinking, hey, maybe my pet won't like it. One way to find out is if we give you that first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free on us. You'll pay for the shipping. Want to make sure you've got skin in the game. You're invested here. But the bag is on us when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F. For roughgreens.com, see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less. Or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-R-U-F-F, 833-ROUGH-DOG.
2: Moving on to Wayne Ostrander, who says, if Trump continues to prop up vaccine accomplishments, he will suffer the O'Reilly backlash as well. So... I had a
1: a long conversation last night via text with with one of my best buddies in politics who is deeply embedded in Trump world. And he actually thinks last night's results lower the odds Trump will actually run in 2024. And I was very surprised at this take. But then after him and I began breaking it down, I could kind of see where he's coming from a little bit. Because you know me, I'm a sucker for a good contrarian take. And so I'm like, dude, I, I gave him the look a lot of people give me when my analysis just flies in the face of what uh-huh. everybody else thinks. I'm like, come on, man. But one of, the, one of the things we talked about that he brought up in regards of that conversation were the, were the vaccines. He's like, look, man, six months ago, if, you, if, we, if people would have said they're going to forcibly try to inject this into our kids while at the same time they're demanding we get fourth boosters and admitting it doesn't stop transmission, people would have looked at you like you're a kook, right? And yet, is that not where we are? Right. And, and he's like, where, what's the trajectory of where these things are going to be in a year from now? And I said, you know, I, I will tell you this. Other than stealing the election from Trump last year, The vaccines and the politics around them are the most unpopular thing I've ever seen in my audience. More unpopular than TARP. More unpopular than bailouts. More unpopular than Obamacare. I mean, people view it as, like, on a spiritual level, just viscerally wicked, what's trying to be done and justified around these things. And I don't think the position of if you want the vaccine, great. It's saving a lot of lives, but it shouldn't be forced on people. Dude, that, that was okay like three months ago. I don't think people want to hear that poop right now. They're going to want to hear that a year or two from now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, the patience is wearing thin on this. The politics of it is wearing thin on this. Now let's imagine that Trump's justices vote against pro-life bills from two red states.
2: This is what I brought up months ago. I
1: mean, these are his two major accomplishments as president, and, and, then, and then they had a fantastic record in foreign policy, okay? If you take away the meetings and, and all the tweets about Kim Jong-il, which for me, admittedly, is difficult to do, okay? You take all—or Kim Jong-un, I should say. Take away the North Korea stuff. The rest of their foreign policy stuff is—they is, they a they, they plus it, man. So you could still go back to that legacy, but on the domestic front— his two biggest accomplishments in his mind would be what? No Supreme Court justices and the vaccines. Well, the the, the, the worm is already turned within our side on the vaccines. And now we'll wait and see what these three Supreme Court justices do on these life issues in both Texas and Mississippi. I will tell you the behavior of Amy Coney Barrett at the Texas hearing earlier this week should not inspire confidence, okay? Now, maybe... You know, maybe it's a, it's a shuck and jive. I seem to remember some of the questions that he, that the justices were asking of the Obamacare attorneys back in the day made it look like that thing was doomed, right? I remember Jeffrey Toobin came right out on CNN, their chief legal analyst. Yeah. Well, I should clarify when I say it came right out. Okay. Uh, uh, he appeared on air dressed, okay, and said right afterwards that Obamacare was dead. Remember, he made yes. that prediction just based on the questions that were asked, and then they turned around and they affirmed it, Okay. So, I mean, it could be a shuck and jive. You can't always go by the questions they ask. Let's just say you wanted, though, at the very least, you wanted Amy Coney Barrett to ask different and better questions than she asked last week, or the other day. So what happens then if the vaccine program becomes a complete and total failure slash massive source of division in the culture, which it's clearly trending that way, and his justices vote against those pro-life issues? And then let's say that there's a bunch of other people that realized, you know, I may not have Trump's personality, but he was right on those issues. Like, people are trying to make it look like, you know, Trump uh, had nothing to do with what happened in Virginia. Guys, the first time most of us heard about critical race theory is when Trump used the platform of the White House to talk about it. Fair?
0: hmm
1: Okay? So that's not true. But what happens, see, we've had this kind of false dichotomy where either I'm 100% Want to be like Trump, M. Trump, Trump Jr., or I'm Mitch McConnell, right? I, I'll just tell you, I've known a lot of political candidates. I've recruited few, a few of them. There's a vast chasm between I'm as Trump as Trump gets and I'm Mitch McConnell. There's actually a lot of guys, like I just saw right before we went on the air, Roger Marshall, new senator from Kansas, who has very, very red state, has, has largely been indistinguishable as a senator and has done nothing so far. Now, the day after the Virginia race, dude is like, I'm an MD. I'm going to war on these vaccine mandates. They've got to stop. I'm coming right after Biden. This has to end. I'm an MD. These have to stop. He could have done that like three days ago, right? Mm-hmm. Were, the, were, were the vaccine mandates popular with his base last week? No. The week before that? No. week before that? No. week before that? See what I'm getting at? Yes. Why is he coming out and doing something about it now? Because there's a lot of guys that actually do run and are fairly conservative, but they don't have the personal stamina and strength to stand up against a zeitgeist like Trump and his healthy ego provides for him, where he feeds off of it, he gets off of it, he loves it. He looks, that's that's some of his, and I get this, I have a similar personality to some degree, where your downfall is you love it so much you start picking fights you don't have to just because you get off on the energy of the exchange, right? Okay. There's another layer of guy now that's like Glenn Youngkin looks like the, you know, the guy that, you know, the youth minister at our church, man. He looks like the head deacon. And he's out there talking about stop raping our girls in the locker rooms. And there's a lot of Republicans that aren't Mitch McConnell and they're not bombastic. But they just don't think there was a way to actually get ahead and win on our issues. And now they've got a proof of concept in a state that's a hell of a lot more blue than Kansas, that it works. What if you look at next year, and all of a sudden, they're all like running on issues like this. Because there's a lot of what we would call soft Republicans who don't want their daughters raped by guys in the, women, in the women's bathroom at school too. Fair? Fair. Yeah. They don't want their sons taught they're racist just because they were born white. They don't like that crap either. They just thought there was no way to win on it. it. It's too divisive. I just want to get reelected. Let's talk about jobs and technocratic. All of a sudden now there's a proof of concept that this is what voters want. What if we're sitting here in a year next November after the 2022, 2022 midterms? And we watched all kinds of Republicans say, screw what Mitch McConnell's consultants did. I'm going to follow what Youngkin's team and Jeff Rowan and Chris Wilson from the Cruz campaign. That's who ran Glenn Youngkin's campaign, right? By the way, the Cruz campaign people did. Let, let, let me. I'm going to emulate what they did. I'm going to be nicer, kinder, but I'm going to run, I'm going to incorporate those hard-headed issues that I'm pissed off about too because now I know I can win on them, but I don't have to be a douchebag while doing so. That could change a lot of people's calculus where they're like, hey, really appreciate what Donald Trump did, but we don't like have to go back to that now because we got guys that will carry that banner. Dude, Marco Rubio, seven years ago, called me on the phone to lobby me for amnesty. He's about to give a speech saying the GOP needs to divorce itself from big business. In some respects, Trump's candidacy in 2024 may be a victim of his own success is what I'm trying to say. He may have won so many of these arguments so resoundingly that everybody else is like, yeah, you're right. I guess we can do this and we don't have to say that one Mexican judge and she's bleeding out of her hoo-ha now. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to do that stuff. We can win and not you know, incorporate the automatic backlash. Those are things that I think are in play now that I would not have said are in play 48 hours ago. Just things to watch.
0: I will sell from a devil's advocate uh, approach. List. I, I think Trump, he will, if he wants to die on that hill, then he'll provide his base a bunch of other full of red meat I think this is not whether that will work or not and Steve's I agree I can get on board with what Steve's saying but I think we can all also see that Trump will just remain meandering Trump on that issue but give the base so many other issues of which they will froth over and be convinced that this is ultimately life or death and I have to vote for Trump and so I can see it also going down that road now
1: hey I I actually agree with you I still think in the end, ego drives Trump more than anything else. And if he's healthy, the idea that he's just going to, he's going to respectfully demur and say, I did my job, time for the next generation to pick up the, he's 80 years old and a billionaire. What the hell else he has to do with his life? Okay. The idea that his ego is just going to suddenly say, "Play, play taps, I've done my tour of duty, time for the next, no, he's not going to do that. If he's healthy, I don't buy that. But this buddy of mine who's deeply embedded in Trump world made enough of a case that I would say this, if I could get, if somebody was taking odds on the prediction market, that Trump isn't going to run, could they be pretty positive plus odds, right, Aaron? Yeah. You think? Like plus 500, plus 600, plus 700? Oh, sure. I'd put a hundred bucks on that right now. That I think it's, I think it's gone from a 1% chance that he wouldn't run based on what my buddy laid out to me. I still don't think it's high, 10, 15 at the most. Okay. But enough that it's worth the contrarian play because that that ticket could cash. That's kind of, that's the case I'm making. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's reasonable. Okay.
2: Next up, Sherlock Sproul says more red pills will be ingested in the coming 12 months than the previous 12 months. I will buy. I I will buy. I I think you, there will be more Bill Mars. There will be more Andrew
1: Sullivans. How there's going to be more Dave Rubens. I I will buy. Absolutely on
2: that. That's a lot. Yep. Next, some call me Tim says Biden's suits from here forward will be brown. <laughs> The double entendre there, <laughs> intentional That's, or otherwise. That is
1: beautiful, man. Gosh, we. Do. I love the fact that we. That part of us never ever leaves the seventh grade. Yes. Bye. I'm a. I'm a.
2: Hard buy. Yes. Next up, uh, Sam Clemente says updated NFC QB power rankings for the rest of the season. Number five, Dak Prescott. Okay, um, I'll buy I, five. Yeah, he's earned yeah. it. Number four, Kyler Murray. I'd actually put Prescott
1: ahead of Murray, but I'm okay with Murray being there, I yeah, guess. Bye. Number three, Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, he has to be number one, guys. He's having it, and he's having the best year of his career. So, he, he, I, I, I know a lot about Tom Brady and Matt Stafford. Okay, I've watched these two guys play a lot. Don't ever rank Matt Stafford ahead of Tom Brady. So I have to sell on that.
2: Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Bye. Well, oh, bye. Yeah. And but number one, Matthew Stafford.
1: I'm fine. Stafford should be on the list. I'm even fine with if you put him at third but he's not ahead of Tom Brady. I will be fascinated to see. I love Matt. Great citizen of the community. Um, uh, he, he played his guts out for us for many years, but he also had multiple opportunities, and a lot of them against your team, to kind of win that next step game, mm-hmm. win the division on the last day, win a playoff game. Could never do it. Now you got the Rams going out and getting Von Miller, just going, just going Dodgers, just getting every free agent now they can, right? Let's see what happens when Matt Stafford's on the road in a playoff game in January, and he's got to drive the team down the field for a win. He could never do it for us, okay? Now, maybe the team around him is better, and he can, but we shall see. But in that scenario, Tom Brady or Matt Stafford, Todd, your thoughts?
0: I'm not even going to dignify that question. Exactly.
1: Yes, nor should you. So that's why I have to sell, because you cannot rank Tom Brady below Matt Stafford. Come on, man.
0: Correct.
2: Next up, Bacon says the base sees Trump as General Patton leading an army when in reality is he's Bob Hope entertaining the troops. That's a fascinating analogy.
1: See, I think it's, unf- I, I would not, that could be how it turns out, okay? But i it's a fascinating analogy, but I'm going to sell, all right? There's certainly some General Patton in Trump. He certainly took on actual fights. Again, I just said 10 minutes ago, most of us heard about critical race theory for the first time when he brought it up. All right. I mean, he's the one that issued the executive order. Let's stop, you know, to the Department of Education. Stop. Start teaching American history again. I mean, the idea he took on no fights is just not true. The idea the whole thing was a canard or a sham. It's just not true. Now, did he go as far as you wanted him to go? Probably not in some areas. Did he still go farther than most Republicans ever did? Probably so in most areas. This is sort of the conundrum why we're we're kind of in this middle area, right? Did he make the worst management mistake of all time last year with lockdowns and handing his presidency over to Joseph Mengele for a few months? Yep. Is it why he's not president now? Yeah. But this idea, though, that the whole thing was, see, that's the mistake I made. That's why I didn't support him in 2016. I thought the whole thing was a show. Then we get to the first weekend of the administration, and I'm watching as they're immediately trying to implement his immigration policy first weekend. And Horowitz and I are on the phone together, like, what do we do? We both just decided, well, don't we look like the same clown sellouts we're always decrying if we don't support the people that are actually doing what we want them to do? So the first weekend, man, we're actually working, helping the people we know in the White House on fighting on the immigration issue. The idea it didn't do it didn't do anything, is not true. But If Given the trajectory of the vaccine program, and if his Supreme Court justices vote against Texas and Mississippi, it could turn out like that. But as fascinating as that analogy is, I think it's too harsh. I got to sell.
0: I will buy, because I think you're looking at it without the proper context. It's it's not just Trump Patton or Trump Bob Hope. It's who Trump is vis-a-vis the audience that they're talking about. Are they the troops... Uh, actually, fighting or are they the troops on R and R listening to Bob Hope? I think that, and I think the troops far too much. Are the oh, you ones mean on- that
1: they are the show, and that and they turn him into a Bob Hope by yes. not demanding anything more than that. Yes, that is a good turn of phrase that I I could buy that to some degree. Yeah, because we learned in the Trump presidency when we pressured him, we got our way, right? Right. It's just we would often cover yeah. for him and not do that. Correct. All right. Hey, if you are struggling with chronic pain in the body, and this is pain that comes from too much inflammation in the body, this is something I've dealt with, which is why I'm so glad a couple of years ago I found out about Omega XL. It's part of my daily regimen backed by 30 plus years of clinical research. It's the all-natural anti-inflammatory that will attack the inflammation causing your chronic pain. This is the pain that just won't go away in places like your knees, your back, your shoulders, etc. If you want to try it today, buy one bottle and get the second one for free. All right, buy one bottle, get a second one for free when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve or give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888 or OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Now, earlier I said we were going to have more on this new lieutenant governor for the state of Virginia. We will have much more on her when we return. One of the other great products I got introduced to last year that I became a personal fan of so I was even buying it when I didn't have to, when they were willing to give me product for free. I just didn't want to wait. So I'd go out and buy it and I did it several times. Tommy John underwear, all right? And, and find out why they don't have customers at Tommy John. They have Fanatics, the most comfortable, best fitting underwear you've ever had. Uh, their cool cotton fabric also helps you to avoid getting swampy down there as well. Um, They've got great stuff for the ladies, too. Now, because I'm not Lindsey Graham, I can't necessarily verify how well those things fit. Uh, But uh, I can tell you that the male underwear that Lindsey probably doesn't wear uh, actually fits very, very well. In fact, and you didn't ask, but I'll tell you anyway, yes, truth in advertising, I'm actually wearing Tommy John underwear right now. Now, because my name's not Jeffrey Tubin, I will not verify that for you in real time. You'll just have to take my word for it. Todd, are you willing to take my word for it?
0: Oh, I demand. To take your word for it. <laughs> I demand.
1: <laughs> all right, so if you want, to, that's beautiful. All right, so if you want to try Tommy John underwear, get twenty percent off your first order right now. They've got all kinds of loungewear, t-shirts, other things too. If you want to check those things out, twenty percent off when you go to TommyJohn.com/Steve. That's TommyJohn.com/Steve, and get twenty percent off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com/Steve. So this showed up in my Twitter feed first thing this morning. And I have to tell you that I am beyond jaded going on now working a second decade in politics full time. I thought I was beyond being moved. Maybe it's just because it was first thing in the morning and my guard was down. Okay. But I watched this entire seven minute speech last night that the new lieutenant governor for the Commonwealth of Virginia gave. If you don't know anything about this woman and I didn't until like 48 hours ago. If you don't know anything at all about this woman, I don't want to tell you anything. I just want to let you watch this video and let her speak for herself.
4: I am at a loss for words for the first time in my life. You know... I love you too. I am here. Yes, her, Marine Corps, motivated, dedicated. So I'm, I'm here because of you. I'm here because you voted for me. I'm here because you put your trust in me. That's the only reason I'm here. Thank you. Thank you. Got my speech. Wanna to introduce to you my husband Terrence. another Marine, my daughter Katya and, and my other daughter Janelle. I'm telling you that what you are looking at is the American dream. When my father came to this country, August 11th of 1963, he came at the height of the Civil Rights Movement from Jamaica. He came, and I said to him, but it was such a bad time for us. Why did you come? And he said, because America was where the jobs and the opportunities were. And he only came with $1.75, $1.75. Took any job he could find, and he put himself through school and started his American dream. And then, yes, and now he's comfortably retired. And then he came and got me when I was six years old. And when I stepped on that Pan Am Boeing 737, and landed at JFK, I landed in a new world. And so let me tell you this, I am not even first generation American. When I joined the Marine Corps, I was still a Jamaican, but this country had done so much for me, I was willing willing to die for this country. U.S.A. 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 USA, USA. And, and so I say to you, victory, victory indeed. But I I say to you, there are some who want to divide us and we must not let that happen. They would like us to believe we are back in 1963 when my father came. We can live where we want, we can eat where we want. We own the water fountains. We have had a black president elected not once but twice and here I am living proof. In case you haven't noticed, I am black, and I have been black all my life. But that's not what this is about. (laughs) What we are going to do is we are going to now be about the business of the Commonwealth. We have things to tend to. We are going to fully fund our historically black colleges and universities. You're gonna hear from your governor-elect Glenn Youngkin and he's got a day one plan that I'm already tired about. Don't know how we're gonna make it today, too. But he's gonna make sure we keep more of our money in our pockets because he's gonna get rid of all kinds of taxes. We're gonna have safer neighborhoods, safer communities, and our children are going to get a good education. because education lifted my father out of poverty, education lifted me out of poverty. Education will lift us all out of poverty because we, we must have marketable skills so that our children can not just survive, but they will thrive. And they will create generational wealth. That's what this is about. I'm going to finish up. We love you too. It's a historic night, yes it is, but I didn't run to make history. I just wanted to leave it better than I found it. And with your help, we're going to do that. We're going to have transparent government. And as I used to say as we were on the trail, hold on Virginia, help is on the way, the cavalry has arrived. Thank you. God bless you. I want to thank my staff because I couldn't have done it without them, we were a ragtag bunch of people. We ran an impossible, improbable campaign against God was exactly with us, otherwise we would never have made it. And so, I want to finish up by thanking you, Jesus, how sweet it is!
1: Her name is uh, Winsome Sears, by the way. Uh, a buddy of mine who was involved in the Virginia race told me a few days ago about her. He's like, <clears throat> dude, you're going to love her. She's nuts. That's what he told me. She's nuts like we are. Uh, apparently, like the Yunkin campaign had to go to her and ask her if she could stop saying um, abortion is murder as often as she was fond of saying it everywhere. <laughs> everywhere everywhere she went, apparently, and she did not listen. Uh, but... um um I mean, it's just a its just a powerful testimony of of service. And I I gotta tell you, I just got choked up watching that this morning, man. Okay. And I mean I mean at this point I thought I was the Grinch. All right, my heart is two sizes too small based on what do it what working in this business will do to you. Particularly for as long as I've been at it now. But um, it, uh, I, I, I just thought we should share that. And, and just during the, as we were playing that, her campaign team tweeted back to Jamel Hill, who said, It's not about the message. This country just likes white supremacy. And her campaign tweeted back to Jamel Hill a picture of her, of Winsome Sears, holding an assault weapon. All right. I have a new crush, okay? So I'm just, uh, I, I thought if, it, if that could choke me up, given how beyond jaded I am, maybe it would cheer up uh, more of you out there in the audience as well. I'll get some final thoughts here from, uh, from you and uh, Aaron Todd. But first, let me tell you about our friends at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're thinking, I don't know, Maybe Virginia is one of these places I've got to get out of here. I'm living in California. I'm living in Massachusetts. I'm in New York. Yes, you have to get out. You need to get out. Okay, If you can, you need to get out. Um, But make sure you go with an agent you can trust, particularly for these unprecedented times. Bing. Indeed. Where would you find them? Well, the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a website and a company started by Glenn Beck and his associates who got tired of real estate agents who talked a good game but could not deliver the results when they were needed the most. They don't want that to happen to you, which is why they've got this nationwide referral or referral service of agents that, yes, you can trust. When you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, again, that's com. Final thoughts.
0: Well, you just saw somebody who is now a possibility for not just being uh, the number two in Virginia, but the number two in the United States of America. I, I, I like. I hadn't heard of her before yesterday, but that was a Barack Obama moment akin to when Barack Obama gave his speech at the uh, convention. Oh, the DNC convention yes. in
1: 04, the keynote, yeah.
0: Listen, there, and you know, there, there's just per- personalities uh, that resonate. I, I, like, I don't know, we I might have a different opinion uh, after week tomorrow, but just standing on that, there's that level of energy. There's that level of possibility based on the fact that we have Kamala over there, that we have Stacey Abrams over there. She's in the ring now. It's undeniable.
1: You see the meme going around. Stacey Abrams declared winner of Virginia. Gu- yes. gu- I'm sorry. I just, I loved that.
2: But Aaron, what do you think? So uh, particularly on the, on the topic of, of when some and that speech, the best parts of the speech were her talking about her service and how much this country has given to her so that she could, she, she was willing to lay down her life for her country. Uh, even though she said she was still uh, technically a Jamaican when she, uh, she was in the Marine Corps, if I'm not mistaken. And the other best part was uh, um, just uh, talking about the divisiveness uh, within politics because of race. Frankly, the rest of the speech could have been given by a Democrat, but here's why the entire speech could not have been given by a Democrat. It seems to me, especially based on what you just said about her words on abortion and and your little birdies uh, telling you that uh, she's as nuts as we are, it seems as if she's operating from a completely different paradigm, a paradigm that says with regards to her service and her recognition of, of what this country has done for her and, and her family and her future and possibilities, a paradigm of sacrifice that is completely antithetical to the progressive communist spirit of the, the spirit of the age worldview that has infested the state of Virginia's state house now for going on 12 years up until last night. Because that worldview starts and ends with moral subjectivism. At the end of the day, they may have cults. They may have their own idols. And that is absolutely true. But at the end of the day, the spirit of the age worldview worships the person in the mirror. The spirit of the age is ye be like God. And that was a speech. That's the reason why I think the best part of the speech was coming to America. Still technically not... Uh, An American citizen, if I understood that correct, maybe that was just a play on, on words. But recognizing the future that this country gave her and being willing to sacrifice herself for that. Completely antithetical to the spirit of the age that we're up against. What an inspiring message to take out of last night. Especially considering what we're about to talk about in the overtime and what we both or all three of us admonished at the end of the first segment what are you willing to sacrifice going forward are you willing to be are you willing to sacrifice resting on your laurels as soon as we're willing to sacrifice that it means that we're playing a generational game and that's what's going to be required to turn this nation around that's what's going to be required for that's actually a not necessarily a prerequisite, that's a sign of revival, if you ask me. That's what's going to be required. What are you willing to sacrifice?
0: Here's how inspired I was by her speech. She obviously can't be Vice President of the United States. I blew right past that. Mm. Because because she's originally from Jamaica. Yes, so I apologize for trying to get your hopes up, but it's not possible. But nonetheless, I was inspired.
1: Well, we're going to stick around and have a conversation about what you can't do in response to what happened last night, which may have happened in our own backyard. We'll do that at blazetv.com slash Dace for the rest of you. Back at it again tomorrow from noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace.
2: On the Blaze Radio Network.